now Pastor Rick will bring his final message in the Stronger series with Stronger Through Vision. Good morning. You know, I, there's a lot of things I have to do that I don't like to do. Anybody else besides me? This is not one of them. Man, I'm, I'm sitting there, I just, I'm just, I, I just love to share the Word of God with you, and especially today. I just know where we're headed. I got a lot to say, and, and uh, let me just go ahead and tell you right now, please, uh, this week, I need you to listen to the podcast from the 930 service, because I realized about 10 minutes into that service, there's no way I can get this whole sermon preached. I'm going to start with you about halfway through the service, sermon today. I'm going to run through some things at the beginning. But I need you to listen to that so that you get the whole thing, because there's so much I need to share with you about this. But let me just say, uh, before we have a word of prayer and jump into this message, uh, thank you for being here on Purple Sunday. Glad you guys, it's got your purple on. And, and uh, you know, before the early service, I saw about five people walk through. I was walking through the uh, hallway there, and about four others with me, and, and we all had on purple. And I said, you know what, I'm glad we didn't tell everybody to, to wear purple, because that would really look weird if we'd all had on purple today. Strange, you know, if you just think about it. So how many of you wore purple by accident? Uh, uh, yeah, there's two. I, I know there's a, some others that uh, in the early service wore it by accident today. So I don't, know, I don't know how you do that. I mean, I don't even have, this is the only purple shirt. I had to go way back in the closet to find this one. But anyway, uh, I'm glad that you're here. And, uh, and let me say this, just, just before we have a word of prayer. The first of this year, preach to you about third year because four weeks from today is Easter Sunday. It'll be the second anniversary of the launch of Church 2911, the beginning of third year. And I preach to you about the preparation because there's some very important things that God must do through us in third year for us to be who Church 2911 really is. And so I talked to you about going deeper, which we did last month. Talked to you about going deeper allows us to grow stronger, which we've been working on this month talking about how, how we grow stronger because or we're unified because of the, of the blood. We're unified because of the word, because the word of God is our, uh, you know, it's our covenant. And this, the, you know, even people that aren't saved yet, when they get saved, it will be one of the things that unifies because the word, that's what we all believe. You know, all these churches everywhere have their, their own little ways of doing some things, but the word is what we believe. It unifies us, and which is very similar to this, this message today. And then next, next week begins the wider month. And so we got we to gotta finish out this stronger month because next week begins wider month. And today's sermon is a little bit about that. And, uh, and, and, and it's also about what we're actually, how we're actually going to flesh out and walk out and, and live out this thing of being the church 2911 dream. You know, you know last week when we were talking about, uh, talking about Scripture and talking about the Word and how important it is to us. And, you know, we showed that video of people, you know, that Christians even, that we asked to quote the Ten Commandments. How many of you could, how many could you quote? How many Ten Commandments could you quote? Hope, I really hope some of you can quote more today than you could last week. Okay, because this week, you know, in my blog, and you should have, I hope you've been reading it. Every, every day this week, I've been writing two blogs because we've been finishing up with the guys, with the husbands and the 40-day love dare. And, uh, and so this past week, we started with the, with the Ten Commandments. I started on Monday with the first one and second and third and fourth. Today is the, today's the seventh one, you know. And so every week, every day this week, so I hope, I hope, now listen, if I can write two blogs every single day of the week, surely you can take time to read one of them, right? Come on down. So please, so please go on there and, and read the blog uh, about the Ten Commandments to start. But, you know, here's the thing, and, and we said this last week. 
We can say that we support the Ten Commandments, we believe in the Ten Commandments, we'll defend the Ten Commandments, we'll vote somebody out of office if they don't support the Ten Commandments, we'll vote for somebody if they do support the Ten Commandments. But then when we don't even know what the Ten Commandments are, that rings kind of hollow, doesn't it? doesn't mean a whole lot when we say, but we don't. And in the same way with the Church 2911 dream, if we say, yes, I love my church, I believe in the Church 2911 dream, but we don't know what it is, well, first of all, let me tell you what it is. In case you don't know, let me give you the vision statement. And the vision statement is, we, is, uh, is to engage our communities with the love of Jesus Christ. And we have a, another little line there with special emphasis on those who are unchurched, those who have never been in church, don't have a church background or history, or those who have uh, gotten hurt in a church or they got caught up in, in some kind of lifestyle, got them away from God or whatever. That's our special emphasis. But the vision is to engage our communities with the love of Jesus. And we got all kinds of communities, not just the ones we live in, the ones we work in, the ones we go to school in. We got lots of communities. So the vision is to engage our communities with the love of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's better than saying, I believe in the dream of Church 2911, but you got to know the vision. It's got to, but it's got to be even more than that. It can't just be saying you support it. It can't just be knowing what the vision statement is. And the reason we don't have classes around here to teach everybody how to recite the vision statement and the mission statement and all the 2911 dream scriptures and all, the reason is, is because those are important. But what's even more important than that is that we actually live the dream that we say we support. Because that's what this message is about today. Uh, part A a little bit this morning in 9.30, and now part B, is living the dream. And so it's not enough. And, and at the end of this service, we're going to offer opportunity for those who aren't members that want to become a member of Church 2911. We're going to offer that opportunity today. You know, and I want you, I want you to hear. I want you to know what this is really about. And it's not about just what we say we are. It has to be who we really are. We have to start living. And if not, if we're not going to live it, then let's change the name to some generic church name out there that doesn't mean a thing when people drive by. We must live who we say we are. Would you pray with me? And let's, let's ask, do you dare ask God to challenge you this morning? Do you dare? Let's pray. Father, I love you and thank you, God. Thank you for awesome, great things. Lord, so many great things you've already done in this church, Lord, and God, in these two years, Lord, and God, just looking forward to even greater things in third year. And I pray, I pray that this moment, God, you, you take full advantage of this moment. God, don't let my inability, God, to, uh, to, to speak, Lord, don't let my inability to remember or anything, God, get in the way of you doing what you want to do and accomplish what you want to accomplish in this service. And I pray, God, stir us, Lord, challenge us, God, quicken us, God, whatever it takes for us to not just talk about your dream and, and not just think about God, but to actually live out your dream in our lives and let you live the dream out through us. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody said, oh, wow, y'all quiet. Everybody said, thank you, thank you, appreciate that a little bit more. Okay, now listen. I just feel like I got to give you a little bit of the beginning for, you know, instead of just jumping into the middle of this thing. So let me hurry through the first scriptures. In Acts chapter 1, verse 1, uh, we believe Luke is the one that wrote this. And so Luke says, I, uh, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. So he's talking about the, the, the gospel they wrote, the book of Luke. He says, you know, I wrote that about everything that Jesus was doing and teaching until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. So from the day he began to teach until he was taken up by the apostles. And you know how long that was? It was about three years. He was here 30, 31, 32, maybe 33 years, and his ministry was actually about three years. The disciples were with him for just about three years. Now think about that. 
He could have stayed here five years if he had needed to. He could have stayed here 10 years, if he, but after he was here about three years. Some people say two and a half years, some theologians. But two and a half, three years, when, when that was done, he said, okay, you've got all you need. I don't need to teach you anymore. I don't need to give you any more instruction. I don't need to give you any more. You've got everything you need to fulfill my dream on this earth. And boom, he goes back to heaven. Three years, you know. And this church, we're going to celebrate our, our second anniversary of the launch in, in four weeks. <coughs> but uh, we were actually getting ready even before that. So several months of just getting ready. And I know some of you say, well, but I haven't been here that long. Well, you know what? Everybody in this crowd had not been. There were more than just the disciples there. There were several hundred right here where Jesus was talking. And he says, I'm about to leave. You've got everything you need. It's time to no longer just talk about his dream. That's what he's saying right here. It's time to no longer just talk about the commandments. It's time to get out there and live them. And he knew they would never live them as long as he was there just teaching and teaching and teaching. Verse 3, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Listen. The greatest challenges of your faith to your faith are going to happen often right before your greatest opportunity to accomplish God's will for your life, to to, to, to accomplish the dream and fulfill the dream in your life. Your greatest challenge to your faith. And so, you know, I've got anybody got anything they need from God today in your family, in your home, in your finances? Anybody? Come on, come on. My hand's up. And and I don't do this just so I can lead you. I mean, Trace asks, my hand goes up because I've got needs. And I don't have just hangnail type needs, you know. Y'all pray those prayers, you know, those little hangnail or five and dime prayers of God. I just need a little help with this. You know, we just want God. I've got I got some miracle type needs. Come on, somebody. Help me right here. I got some miracle type needs, and I want to get to those things. And let me tell you, right before you get to them, often what's going to happen is you're going to have the greatest challenge to your faith that you've ever had. And they had a challenge right here. You know what was happening? They had a dead man standing there talking to them. You know, just 40 days before, they saw Jesus crucified on the cross of Calvary. They saw him taken down from the cross, wrapped up and put in a tomb. And now he's standing there talking to them. And they're, you know, they're saying, uh, is this really Jesus? Yeah, well, yeah, we really, we really get on doubting Thomas, right? I mean, we even label him doubting. I don't know if I'd have been able to just accept it that way either. But, but they accepted it. And you could say, well, the reason they accepted it was because they had seen, they'd seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. So since they had seen him raise Lazarus from the dead, then it was easy for them to accept the fact that Jesus could raise himself from the dead. Okay, I'll go along with you on that. But if that's the case, then I want you to look with me. I want you to look into third year. We're in Acts. This is where we are today. We're in Acts chapter 1. We're in a place where God is telling us, here's what I want to do. There's some great things that are going to happen in Acts chapter 2. You and I, we can look back to Acts chapter 2, and we know what's going to happen, don't we? We know that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to fall. It's going to fill people, and they're going, to, they're going to begin working miracles. Healings are going to take place. Other dead people are going to be raised back to life. And in one day, on that first day when it begins happening in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people lost souls are going to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Jesus knew this when he was talking to them in Acts chapter 1, and he says, okay, come on, we got to do this, guys. And in Acts chapter, this is where we are. We're in Acts chapter 1, and we're looking forward, and in the third year, and it's going to happen, and great things, and and, and I want to challenge your faith today, because I know you can look around, and let me tell you, 60 plus people regularly attend this church today that were not attending church before they started coming to church 2911. Thank, praise God. That's an awesome thing. You know, that's that's a tremendous thing to, to, to know that there are that many people that weren't serving God, you know, a couple of years ago that are now serving God. 
But you know what? I, 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 don't, want, I don't want to belittle what, what has happened. I don't want to belittle your efforts. But I'm going to tell you something. That's not all God wants to do. That's, that's not, and, and, and I say this, and I say this partly because, partly because I've got faith, but I also say it because I know what, I, I've seen God do amazing things. I've seen God do bigger. I've seen God do better. I've seen God reach more than 60-something people like that in just two years. I've seen it. And because I've seen it, just like the disciples, because they saw Lazarus raised from the dead, they could believe Jesus. That's what I'm saying. Come on. I want to challenge your faith. Believe with me. Somebody get a vision for an Acts chapter 2 third year that looks into the future and believes that God can because if we've seen God bring 60-something people to to Him in a couple of years, then I can believe God can do 120 in one year. Come on, somebody, and help me. I believe he can do 200 in a year. I believe he can do 300 in a year if if somebody will just accept the challenge to their faith and overcome it. And we've got to do that. And I said, i got to be real disciplined. I'll never get this message preached. Verse 8, uh, verse 4. And being assembled together with them. Okay, this is real quick, I hope. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Okay, so he told them, wait here for the promise. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they come together, they ask him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Okay, wait a minute. I, I got to hurry through this because I, I preached this point in the first message, but I just want you to catch this right here. They were losing focus. Jesus said, I want you to go wait until you get some power. And what did they say? When are you going to restore the kingdom? What, you know, where did that question come from? You know, it had nothing to do with what they were talking about. And so Jesus, look what he goes right back and he says, it is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father's put in his own authority. He says, hey, that's not what we're talking about, guys. And what does he do? He goes right back to what he was talking about. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. What is he saying? He said, hey, get back to the vision. Focus on the vision for just a moment. Here's the problem. You know, where, where they were wanting to focus on the end time. They were wanting to focus on the kingdom, but Jesus was focused on lost souls. They were wanting to conquer the world, and they thought, oh, that'd be a great thing if Israel could rule the world and conquer the world. But while they were looking, and I, I know that sounds like a big thing to you, but not to God. While they were looking at this little thing of conquering the world, Jesus was looking at conquering hell. And I don't just mean the hell that's coming after this life. I'm talking about the hell that's in your life right now. Jesus is wanting to conquer the hell that's in your family. He's wanting to conquer the hell that's in some of your marriages. He's wanting to conquer the hell that has been messing with your finances. He's wanting to conquer the hell that's walking up and down the hallways of your schools. He wants to conquer the hell that is in, in, the, in the friends of your kids. He's wanting to conquer the hell that is, that is pulling our people away with drug addiction and alcoholism. And those, Jesus is wanting to, to conquer hell. So let's get a God vision and not, not limit him to these little bitty mamby-pamby prayers that we pray and, and asking God for little nothings and let's believe God wants to do a greater thing. Somebody say amen. So say, st- stay focused on the vision. Okay, so now we're, fi- now we're at the place where we can begin, okay? Don't start counting time on me yet, okay? So now we got to spend about a half hour right here, right? Okay, so now, anyway, verse 9. Now when Jesus had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. And they, they said to them, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Trace, Justin, Josh, Chase, will y'all help me just, just stand up? 
I want, I want y'all to just look at the center ceiling right there. All of you just look up there. Just look at the center ceiling. Turn, turn around that, that way just a little bit so everybody can see. And just kind of stare there at the ceiling. Let, let your mouth drop open a little bit. I didn't ask you ladies to do this for this purpose. I didn't want to embarrass y'all. Let your mouth drop open. Don't we look intelligent? <laughs> oh, come on, guys. Come on. Y'all can do better than that. You know, they, they said they steadfastly gazed up into heaven. You know, they just looked and looked and looked and looked and looked until finally two angels showed up. And you know what the angels, the angels said, what are y'all doing? What are y'all looking at? Thank you, guys. Thank you for letting me embarrass you. What are you looking at? What, 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 what is it that you're focused on? I mean, they, they, they stood standing, gazing up into heaven, you know, and they must have, I mean, you know, hopefully no, no, another new convert saw them, you know, looking like that, just staring up into heaven. And what were they thinking? You see, I can put two and two together, and I can look back to some of the things that, that they thought, the things they said. I remember James and John one time saying, Jesus, would you grant it that when you come in your kingdom that one of us can sit on your right hand and the other sit on your left? You know, I can also remember uh, when, when I think it was John that came to them, or one of the disciples, don't, don't castigate John over this, you know, in case I, 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 I'm, I'm missing it right here. But when one came to Jesus and said, Jesus, we saw somebody rebuking, you know, and casting out in your name, we rebuked them because they weren't with us. You know, I see these kinds of things kind of happen. Or when Simon Peter was on the Mount of Transfiguration, a moment when, when there was just kind of some, some kind of amazing stuff happening. And here's what, what God was doing was he was strengthening and preparing Jesus for the next few days when he would have to die on the cross of Calvary. And you know what Simon Peter did? Simon Peter said, man, this is awesome. Let's just build an altar right here. Man, we don't need to go anywhere. This is, we have, we have arrived, guys. This is the best there ever. It would have been all right with Simon Peter if they'd never gone down off the mountain. There was just three of them and Jesus there. He didn't take all the disciples up the top. But it would have been fine with Simon Peter. Okay, here's, here's what I see in this, these verses of Scripture. When they're gazing up in the heaven, they're thinking, what now? Jesus is gone. What now? You know what he is doing? Let me tell you what Jesus was doing. He was breaking up the small group. Breaking up the small group. Now, some of you are going to say, man, y'all just got small groups started. Y'all already talking about breaking them up? In a way, in a way, hang with me here just a minute and you'll get it. He was talking about breaking up the small groups because, you know, this is what was happening. These guys were, these guys were perfectly comfortable with God being all to themselves. They were happy with, with having God and they're the only ones having God. Y'all ever heard we four no more? Oh, oh, oh. That, these disciples, man, that, that was their feeling. We four no more. We spiritualize, the, we spiritualize the desire of staying small. Y'all better get with me or y'all gonna get your feelings hurt in just a minute. We spiritualize the concept of staying small. Well, I just want to attend a small little church where I know everybody and everybody knows me. Sounds spiritual to an extent. You know, if we go to a big church and everybody doesn't know me, then we can't get close and we can't pray for one another. You know, we won't know each other. And Well, let me tell you something. I pray, I pray to God. I pray to God that your little way just gets busted up even in your own spirit. It's already been busted up around here because that's one of the reasons we're having Purple Sunday because we want everybody to know each other best we can. But you know, there's only two options in a church. One is stay small, and the other is to grow and reach more people. And there ain't but one of those that fulfills the vision of God. I don't find anywhere in Scripture that it says we're supposed to stay small, stay comfortable. No, by, by all means, it is the exact opposite. That's what he's doing right. He's breaking up the small group. He said, James, John, you can't have it that way. There's going to be a whole lot more people around my throne besides you two guys. 
Simon Peter, we can't stay on this mountain where it's just real comfortable and warm and, oh, and everybody just loves one another and we all know each other's names and everything and you've got a special vision that you've seen just now so that y'all can just talk about it. No, you've got to get down the mountain and tell somebody about the vision. You've got to get out in the street and tell somebody about how God has been taking care of your kids. You've got to get out there and tell somebody about how the doctor said you had such and such and you, and you called some people in the church and you had prayer and you went back to the doctor and he said, I don't know what happened, but what we thought we saw last week is gone. You've got to tell somebody about that. We just want to tell our little groups. We just want, we just want to keep everybody all ourselves. Can I tell you something? People out there are spiritualizing this fact of staying small and you know what, and this has kind of grown in the American church. I mean, that's not the way it is. It's really an American church kind of a thing, is we want to stay small because we just want, and it's like I remember back when I was a young, young preacher, a young pastor, probably in the early 90s, I heard somebody talk about this. They were talking about pastors who were no longer fishers of men. They were just keepers of fish bowls. That's all they were doing. And they'd walk around with their fishbowl, you know. Keep your hands off my fishbowl. Worried that some, you know why? Because we're worried somebody's going to steal a fish or two of ours because we don't know anywhere we can get any more. If I lose any more of these, I'll have to close my church. What happened to go ye therefore? What happened to go into all the world? What happened to having enough power to be witnesses in Judea and Samaria? You know what? I'll tell you something. Some people, they come to me with this attitude of, of I just want to be a part of a small church or a little thing or whatever. And you know what? I am tired of apologizing for the big dreams that God puts in our hearts to reach. I've seen 60-something people come to know God in this church. I want to see God do even more. I want to see him reach every single possible person. There's over 20,000 people in North Jefferson County that are not affiliated with any Christian church whatsoever. I want to see as many of them as possible come to know him. You know what? We got, I guess we got it down to 19,940 or something like that, right? You know what? I want to see as many. If we have to do five services here every weekend and go somewhere else and have two or three every Sunday as well, if that's what it takes to reach another 60 or a 600 or whatever it takes, and I'm tired. I'm done with apologizing to people about having a big dream for God. I want to see God save souls because that's His vision. Somebody say Amen. amen. Okay, now all those you said amen, I, I want you to move. I want you to move. I want you to consider moving one of two places. I want you to either consider moving closer to the front or moving to the 930 service because guess what? We're full again. Last Easter, you know what we did? We started a 930 service, got a few people to move to that early service, and we've got it pretty solid now around 50. I don't know what we had this morning. It looked like a pretty decent crowd around 50. And now we're full again here in this service. I know you look around and say, well, there's some seats right here. Okay, but how many of you are going to crawl over? You, I mean, you come with your family. You don't want to crawl over and sit one. And when you're a first-time attender, you're a new guest. You're an unchurched person. You're somebody who doesn't know God and doesn't know anybody else. You don't want to separate and sit in the middle of a whole bunch of people you don't know. We need some back, we need some back pews, some back, some back chairs for them, and we need some space in this service right here. I'm, asking, I'm challenging you today. I'm saying somebody, somebody here needs to move closer to the front next Sunday or you need to move to the 930 service. We need to move about 30 of you. And if I can move 30 of you to the 930 service, guess what? That means I've got 30 more seats to reach to in this 11 o'clock service and that makes room for 30 more. And if we don't do that, we've got to find another way. But we have to find another way to reach and break up the small group.
But I like, I like the people that come to the 11 o'clock service. Well, get them to go with you to the 9.30. I like sitting back here on the back with my family. Bring them to the front. Thank you, Job. I appreciate you moving to the front. I don't even know why I did that. I'm just glad they did. I turned around and said, he was sitting behind me this morning. I was glad they moved to the front. Man, make some room for somebody else. Get, get a big dream, a big vision, a, a, a big idea of what God wants to do. Go ahead and break up. You know, see, here's what, here's what Jesus was doing with this. Is he knew that as long as, as long as those guys were in one little group, they'd never reach anybody else. He knew as long as he was teaching them every single day of the week, all day long, all night long, they were getting word, they were getting blessings, they were seeing miracles, there was no reason for them to do anything different. He went to heaven so that he could break up the small group, knowing that they would never start the church. But 10 days later, the church was born. Why? Because he broke up the small group. Doesn't mean small groups are bad. I'll tell you about that in just a second. But he broke up the small group because he knew they wouldn't start a church as long as they were a small group. We have three venues in our Christian walk. Three venues, three places that we walk out our Christianity. And, and they are, the first one is public worship. That's what we're here for today, our public worship. And, and I'll tell you this, all of us, just about every one of us is missing it somewhere, at least in one of these. Just about every one of us is missing. We're, we're falling short in one of these. And a lot of us falling short in two or all three. But our first venue is public worship. We need to gather together. And listen, don't, don't misunderstand me. I, I'm not saying that, two, that the second or the third is more important because Word of God says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And even more so, as you see the end of times coming and coming and coming, you need to get together more and more and more in public worship. We have public worship. Then there's the upper room. Now that's where, they, that's where Jesus told them to go. Okay, they went to this, this upper room place. They went to the upper room and, and they got there. And listen, you need to be there by yourself sometimes. If you're only in the upper room when other people around you praying, you're not fulfilling it. You've got to get to the upper room by yourself sometimes. You need to be calling out to God without. You, don't, you, need, to, you need to be doing it sometime when the pastor's not praying over you. You need to be doing it sometime when your best friend or your spouse is not praying with you. You need to get into the upper room by yourself, but you also need to get in the upper room with others. You know what we call that around here? Small groups. And we, we, do, we do a lot of small groups. You know what else? And it's our age-based ministries as well. Like our kids downstairs, they're getting more. And, and, and on Wednesday nights and our classes that we do on Wednesday nights and our team gatherings, our team fellowships. And you know what? I'm tired of apologizing for having a team fellowship, gathering, devotion, whatever. We, you know, we, we change the name. You know why? Because somebody says, well, you're not, having, you're not having church tonight. You're not having class tonight. You know what the most important thing to do is? Whatever it's time to do right now. And sometimes it's time to fellowship. And when it's time to fellowship, that's the most important thing you can do. Right now, it's public worship time. We're up here, and when it's public worship time, we're going to have church. We're going to have public worship. But there are other times it's time to fellowship. There are times it's time to train. There are times it is time. We, in about three weeks, we believe we're going to have the opportunity. We're praying and asking God to send us a great crowd. We're going to have the opportunity to minister and bless 2,000 people in that field right down there when a helicopter drops all those eggs. And we're not going to just show up that day and expect to be ready to do that. No, we got to get together and plan. And we got to, that's why we have these meetings like this every once in a while on a Wednesday night. And you know what that's part of? That's part of our upper room where we're praying over these things and we're studying, we're getting some devotion. And you know what? I'm tired of apologizing for doing the things that are necessary to reach the community that God has given us to reach. 
And so don't expect me to apologize anymore next time you ask me, are we not having a class tonight? You know, no, we're doing what is important tonight. And there are a bunch of things that are important in the church. But the third venue is probably where most all of us are missing it. It is the street. And the street looks different to everybody. Your street's different than my street. You know, and, and I'm not just talking about the one you live on. I'm talking about the one that you are gifted and the one that you are uh, allowed by God or called by God to walk up and down every day. Simon Peter's street on this day in Acts chapter two, you know what it was, don't you? It was physically the street. I mean, he stepped out and, and preached. For other people, Starbucks is the street. For some people, a, a sports fellowship gathering of some kind is the street. Yeah, we're talking about small groups. Listen, this church, has, this church has to grasp the necessity of small groups. And I don't just mean having leaders to lead them. We've got to have a bunch of those. I mean, you've got to grasp the attitude. You need to be in a small group of people. You say, well, then why don't we just keep our church small if I need to be with small? You're missing the point. You all these little churches around here, now, I'm, you know, I don't want to offend anybody, anybody that's listening to this podcast, you know, a little later than this. But all these little churches around here, you know why? They're staying small because they want to stay small because they like that warm, fuzzy feeling that they get by knowing everybody and all that. But the reason they're staying small, the reason they're staying small and doing it, they're not fulfilling what God has called them to do because they're having a church service based on being a small group. They're basically doing a small group for the church service. It's just me and mom and a couple of other people that we know. You know, that's all of us. And, you know, I just like doing it that way. That way, everybody that comes to church, I know all of them. How in the world are you reaching anybody? You can't do that. We have to have our public worship as an anybody come. And then we've got to, you've got to find a place to connect with a small group some way, somehow, somewhere. You have to get this. And you're going to hear, I'm going to beat you over the head with it. All through third year, you have to become part of an upper room somewhere that you connect to people. You've got to do that, and you've got to get out on the street. You know what? You're not going to find that. You're not going to find your street place. It might not be up here like this. It might not be, it might not be doing what Cliff does. It might not be doing what the youth pastor does. But you're never going to find it. If you don't fulfill these places, and then you, if you fulfill these first two, you will find your third place. Let's hurry. I, I, I need to go on. Uh, oh, yeah, I need to go on. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of the names was about 120 and said, Men and brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate, no, let no one live in it, and let another take his office. Okay, here's what Simon Peter, they, they get to this upper room. Jesus said, now go wait in Jerusalem until the power shows up. And so they go, and when they get there, Simon Peter gets, gets up and he says, guys, I know Judas messed up. This had to be fulfilled. There was scripture that said it would be fulfilled. But the scripture also says, Somebody else needs to take his place. We're still supposed to be 12. What he was saying was, guys, you got to let Judas go. Letting go of Judas. We got to let Judas go. You got to let go of people that don't have the vision. You got you to turn them loose. Don't kill them. If somebody says, look, this 2911 thing, you know, I really liked it when we were all just, you know, when there's just about four or five of us around here and all that, you know, now we're growing so much. I don't know everybody or this or that or whatever, you know. I don't know about this, and I think I'm going down the road. Let them go. Don't kill them. 
If this doesn't fit who they are, don't kill them. My goodness, I still want them to go to heaven. Come on, somebody. That's don't kill them. You know, see, I, I think this is going to be foreign thinking to some of you, but Judas, I don't see anywhere in Scripture that Judas was a bad guy. Jesus chose him, right? He chose him. Chose him to be part of the crowd. But something happened to Judas along the way. Something about, he didn't have the same vision that Jesus did. And some, some theologians say that he actually was trying to force Jesus by selling him in to the hands of, of, of the religious, the Pharisees and the scribes and the priests. By selling him into their hands, he thought he would force Jesus to rise up and bring his power and his kingdom down right then. And so that's, what, that's what a lot of theologians think. So see, listen, Judas was not just a betrayer of Christ. Maybe more than that, he was a saboteur of the vision. Why? Because he didn't have the same vision. And when he didn't have the same vision and he started trying to work it another way, when he started trying to, to manipulate this, he began to get frustrated. This ain't going the right way. It ain't, it, ain't, it ain't happening like it's supposed to be happening. Jesus ought to be doing this and we ought to be doing this. And when he got more and more frustrated, he, he finally became the perfect saboteur that Satan was looking for. And in trying to sabotage what they don't realize, in trying to sabotage the plan, it actually helped fulfill the plan. And see, here's what happens a lot of time in churches. People who don't have the vision of the local church, they don't have that particular vision, they say, oh, it needs to be this way or whatever, whatever, and they, they try to talk other people and change them. And listen, pastors and church leaders have to stick their feet down in the sand and say, look, if God's given us a vision, this is where we gotta be. And if that doesn't fit, you know, then people say, oh, I want to change it, I want to change it. Well, if they don't get it changed, then they start getting frustrated. And they start sabotaging the vision. They don't do it sometimes on purpose, sometimes they do. I could tell you some stories. Oh, I wish I, I, oh, I, wish I had time. I'd tell you this one right now. You would just laugh. Oh, man, this is funny. You have to ask me about it later. I don't have time. It's, it's four minutes to 12. But if people sabotage, sabotage, oh, God, I don't have time to tell that story. It's just coming to me so much more right now. But I think, God, you got to help me get past this. I don't have time to tell that story. But I've even had people sabotage a Sunday morning service. Oh, my dad could preach to you some too about this. And any preacher just about people will sabotage. You know why? Because they got frustrated. They didn't fit the vision. And somebody didn't have enough common sense to say, hey, that's okay. Go down the street and find one that's got the same vision you do. Let's let go of, and I don't mean Judas's as in, as in saboteurs and betrayers. Let's let go of people that don't have our vision because we can't fulfill the church 2911 vision with a whole lot of people that don't have the vision and the dream of what church 2911 is about. So we got to let go of that. And then do it in such a way that you can enjoy seeing them in the line at Kmart, Walmart. So you can enjoy seeing them. You can wave at them at the ball game. You can sit by them. And root for Jordan or Gardendale. Don't, don't, you got to just let go of them and let God do his thing and let them go on scripture. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all through the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, which ones? Which one? They said, okay, we got to replace him. So they picked two and then we're skipping some verses there. And they cast their lot. The lot fell on Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. I'm getting your face a little bit here right now. I'm getting your business just a little bit here right now, okay? Matthias was one of two that was chosen. It could have been the other guy, but the disciples felt like, okay, it's going to be this guy or that guy. And they prayed and they asked God and they actually cast lots. And, and by the lots, it, said, it showed Matthias. And so Matthias was invited. Okay, you're going to be number 12. You know, it doesn't even say he was invited. It says he was numbered with the 11. You're number 12. They just told him. They just notified him. Have you ever thought about what if Matthias had said, I don't think so. 
That's a, that's a nervous laugh maybe by some. But you know what? People do it all the time. God says, I want to number you in the chosen. I've got something that you can do and only you can do. Matthias, you can fulfill this place where Judas messed up. You can be the man Judas was supposed to have been. Matthias had a call. But what if he had said, I don't think so, guys. Man, it is amazing to me how nice people can be turning God down. I, I, get, I, get, I, I just get schooled in it just about every week, you know. People just turn God down all the time. I just don't think so, you know. Thanks for asking, though, Pastor. You know, kind of like Agrippa. Almost. Almost. But not today. Some other time. Yeah, but, oh, what is your excuse? But, 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 everybody. Everybody, it was one of my favorite lines. I'm sorry, from one of my son's old movies, one of my favorite movies from Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. Everybody I know has a big butt, B-U-T, in their life. What is yours? What is the thing that you say, I would, but. I would, but. What is it? You say, well, you, preacher, you know, you know why I can't, because of so-and-so and so-and-so. You got reasons, you got excuses. Have you ever thought, what if Matthias had the exact same excuse, not reason, excuse you did? He could have. You say, oh, but I got this. That keeps me from serving God. Oh, I got this. That keeps me from being on the street. Oh, I got this. That keeps me from doing what God has gifted me to do. Matthias could have had, and you know what? He wasn't asked. He said, hey, you're, number, you're, you're one of the 12. I'm too old. I'm too young. I don't have enough money. I work too many jobs. I got too many people depending on me. Matthias could have had every one of those same excuses. But he didn't say, no, thank you. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, this is where we're about to be in third year. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, I'm going to do something real scary right here. I'm going to invite, I'm, I'm invite you that if, if you just don't have this vision of 2911, Come talk to me, and let's make it an easy transition to help you find a place where you've got the vision. That sounds like I'm inviting people to leave, doesn't it? That's not what I'm doing. What I'm doing is saying, listen, we can only be unified in third year if we all have the same vision. And we can't all have the same vision by hanging on to other visions. If you can't get this one, by all means, let's find you a church where you can be fulfilled and you can be a Matthias. And don't even ask the question. I think that's where Matthias was. You don't, even, don't even ask me, guys. You don't even have to ask me. If God chooses me, I'm there. I'm one of the 12. You need to find such a place like that. If 29, we, we say we want to be a church for anybody, but we know we're not for everybody. I, I fully believe that. We've blessed a lot of people on their way out the door saying, this ain't for me. Fine, great, wonderful. If that's good. Find the place where you fit. And if we end up making 30 more seats in this service, not by moving you to 930, but by helping you move down the road so you can find the place where your vision meets that fit, then fine. But there's some people sitting right here with me today that you've got the same vision of 2911. You're tired of seeing people walk away from God, raised in the church, and end up living in something else. You're tired 
of seeing people hurt in church. You know what? It's going to happen around. Somebody's going to get hurt here too. It's going to happen because we're all humans. But you're tired of seeing people get hurt in church and nobody caring about them anymore. You're tired of people walking in the door of churches all over this world and there's being so many traditions they can't even figure out what they're supposed to do. Am I supposed to hold my hands up, my legs up? What is I'm supposed to be doing in this place? You're tired of the traditions that get in the way of all the stuff. But you're excited to know that, that so far in just two years, over 60 people have come back to a relationship with Jesus Christ and regularly attending church and we're not doing that two years ago. You're excited about, about a vision that, that God has given us about third year, about what God is going to do because we're going we're gonna to hit our three venues. What are they again? They're the public worship. They are, they are the upper room and they're the street. Listen, I'm excited about this today because I'm going to tell you why. I'll go ahead and give you, I'm not going to tell you what, but I'm going to tell you why I'm excited. It's because I know I'm preaching Acts 1 this week. But I know Acts chapter 2 is just around the corner. I know the 3,000 soul-saving day is just around the corner. I know the miracles are just around the corner. We're beginning to see some of them and hear some of them. People, seriously, that have been sick and the doctor told them something was wrong with them, came to this church and asked for prayer, went back to the doctor, and nothing was wrong with them. We're beginning to see, but that's just the beginning. I've got a vision. I'm believing because God has given us a taste. It's like he's just sliced off a little piece of the loaf of bread, but I'm believing third year he's going to give us a big old chunk of that loaf of bread that we're going to begin seeing that. We're going to begin seeing more. And the vision is not about building something that people my age are comfortable with. It's not about building something that people older than me are comfortable with. It's not about building anything that anybody who's been in church more than 10 years is necessarily comfortable with. It's not that we want to make people my age uncomfortable, but the fact is we want to do everything we can to make sure we reach every single person who doesn't belong to church, who doesn't belong to a God, to God somewhere in our communities. We want to reach everyone. That's the vision of Church 2911. And, and, and if you've got that vision, then let's join together around it. Quit apologizing for what we are not. Quit apologizing for, for other people wanting us to look like this, be like this, talk like this, say like this, and say, no, this is the, is the niche. It's the, it's the hole in our community that is being filled because these 60-something people couldn't find a place where they fit anywhere else, but they fit in 2911. Now let's go find another 60 and another 600 or whatever to fill this, fill this sanctuary over and over. And if we have to go find more places to go, then whatever it takes, but let's reach them. That's the heart and the vision of Church 2911. And I believe there's a bunch of us here that want to unite around that vision. Let's unite around that vision and let's do it. If we have to lose all those 60 and let them go somewhere else and start again and get 60 more, and next Easter we're doing it again, hey, if that's what God calls us to do, then fine. But just because we've got a full crowd here this morning, we're not going to be comfortable. We're not going to back up. We're not going to back down. We're not going to apologize for looking down the road and saying, we want to see 60 more and 60 more. Will somebody help me here? I want to see 60 more. I want to see 60 more. And tomorrow I want to see 60 more. And next week I want to see 60 more. And if we're still here next year, I want to see 60 more. That's the vision of Church 2911. Would you affirm that with me today by just saying amen, amen. Come on, stand with me if you will. Amen, amen. Come on, move to the front so we can close this. Hurry, move to the front if you will. Jesus, Jesus. That's the vision. That's the vision. I had to resist temptation this morning. I was listening to somebody else's service. They were singing an old song that I liked. 
There are a few of those. And my temptation was, you know, I think Jamie, they could cover this one, just change it. And we could read, they could do this again. Oh, I need another 20 minutes to talk to you about traditions though. And how traditions stand in our way of reaching the unchurched. I don't have time to tell you that, but that's one of the reasons we work so hard against getting any traditions in us. And I found a song, and I said I had to face, I had to resist the temptation to. It's, it's not because it's a bad, it's a good song. Look forward to singing it again next time I visit a church other than 2911. But I can't have my favorite song and tell you we're going to break all the traditions except mine. See, this is what this is. This is what this is all about. We got to have some people. And that's this, one of the first sermons I preached. Might have been the first when I preached as pastor of this church before we changed the name and before we launched it. Because there, there's about ten or eleven adults left from the old Mount Olive Road Church is still here, and some of them would remember this. I preached about having a Caleb spirit. You got to have a. You know what? You know who Caleb was? Everybody my age and a little bit younger than me, even though you don't want to admit it. Everybody older, listen, I'll tell you about a Caleb spirit. Caleb spirit says, all my friends died in the wilderness. All my relationships were back in Egypt. Basically, everything I know is behind me. Everything that is comfortable is back there. There is nothing comfortable to me about going forward. But there is an entire generation younger than me that does not know the Lord my God. And Caleb and Joshua, two old men, probably 40 years older than anybody else in the whole nation of Israel. Joshua and Caleb, having a Caleb spirit, Caleb said, but I'll not go back to what's comfortable for me. I got to go forward to reach a generation that does not know him. They don't know my songs that I used to sing back in Egypt. They don't know our recipes that we used to cook back in Egypt. They don't know how we used to, how we used to do worship when we just kind of sat around and strummed a guitar or did it this way or the whatever. They don't know any of that. They're in a different place, and they've got to go to a different place. It's a promised land, a land that God has given for them. And that's why, regardless of what you might hear in the community, that's why we hadn't run off people my age and older because if we're going to do that I got to leave you got to have some Caleb's who say this ain't about me it's not about my favorite song it's not about my way of playing church and doing church and all that this is about a generation that does not know